listening to Mastering Money, the Educator's Edition from Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. We bring you the latest from thought leaders in financial literacy and behavioral economics to help you develop and deliver your financial literacy program. I'm Doretta Thompson, and today I'm speaking with Canadian marketing and advertising guru Terry O'Reilly, host of the award-winning CBC radio show Under the Influence, which I'm told has been downloaded nearly 30 million times. Terry, thank you so much for dropping by. I'm a big fan, so I'm trying really hard to be cool and not to gush. (laughs) (laughs) I also want to know how you get 30 million downloads. Okay. So our listeners for this podcast are are the people who actually develop and deliver financial education. Yeah. And the goal of all of our programs is to help Canadians make better financial decisions. Yeah. One of the things we need to help people do is to resist the powerful messages that surround us today to spend, spend, spend. Yeah. And you have helped create some of those powerful I have. messages. I have. So, first of all, what is the secret behind that pervasive, persuasive power? Well, that's a very interesting question. Not easily answered, but let me say this. I think the most persuasive marketing and advertising campaigns have a number of elements to it. Number one, the basic underlying strategy of a particular campaign, if it's really smart, is really aimed at a very specific target market, and that and the, and the, the uh, advertiser really understands that market. They know what motivates that market, how their product fits into their life, what the competitive products are, what the unique aspect of their product is that makes it different and maybe more desirable from a competitor. Once they figure out that strategy, then it's given to a creative department who then gets to express that strategy creatively. So the strategy has to be great, and then it has to be expressed in a really creative way in order for it to jump out, because all of us see almost, I think it's 4,000 commercial messages a day now. Uh, If I asked you, Doretta, how many ads do you remember from yesterday? Probably none. Now, exactly. Now, imagine how much marketing money was wasted yesterday. So I say, be smart and be highly creative and be bold, and that's that's what breaks through and that's what persuades people to at least look at a product or consider it. So what can we as people developing financial education, and and one thing we really know is that financial education is absolutely necessary if people are going to make better financial decisions, but it is not sufficient. It's not enough that people know. They have to be somehow motivated to actually change their behavior. So with what marketers do and marketers know and how they understand their audiences, how do we apply that to the people that we are trying to talk to? Changing behavior, toughest task you can give to a marketer. If a marketer has, if I ever get that, i come across my desk saying we're trying to change behavior in a certain area, that's the toughest task. Because what you're trying to do there is change somebody's deeply held belief on something or there you have to try and scale a wall of indifference or, and I'll talk a bit about this in my talk tomorrow, Or maybe it's uh, not just indifference, maybe it's shame. Like you don't know what the barriers are to actually acting on something. A big part of my talk tomorrow will will focus on this. And my firm belief is you have to make people feel your messages, not just intellectually understand them. 
And I think that's the key to great marketing is that you have a visceral reaction to it. It isn't just processed intellectually. So that means you have to, you have to attach some emotion to your message. And I've always believed, and I don't know if you feel this way, I think money is a very emotional thing. It's not cold, hard cash to me. I think it's a very emotional thing because your whole life is tied up in your finances. It's your future. It's your present. It's your, your savings. It's your saving for your children's education, buying a house, buying a home. I think there's enormous emotion wrapped up in money and in financial, and financial uh, issues. So I say always, again, my talk tomorrow is add emotion to the talk. Don't just be charts and graphs and, and, uh, and, da- and data. All that's important, but it doesn't move people to act. My industry realized a century ago that in order to get people to actually act on a message, there has to be emotion attached to it. The interesting thing to me, and, and I agree with you, money is a fascinating thing. Money shapes so much of what we think about, so much of what we internalize, yeah. and yet it has become the last taboo. Mm-hmm. We need to change, I really believe, passionately, we need to change the conversation about yeah. money in this country if we are really going to make a difference. And I've actually had a priest say to me, people will talk about their sex lives before they will talk about money. Yeah. And we know, for example, the enormous impact this has in terms of stress, mm-hmm. in terms of, um, you know, in workplace, you know, in, in companies that have uh, employee assistance programs. If you look under the hood on, on peop- what they access the services for, almost 60% are connected to finances. Mm-hmm. So there's huge emotion attached to it, and yet it's not talked about, yeah. and people are resistant. So what does that kind of challenge look like? Well, I think, yeah, well, I don't think that's so different from a lot of products I've worked with in my career because while there might be other dynamics involved, it's still an advertiser is always trying to get attention, trying to, you know, put their product in the best light, trying to get into someone's busy life, trying to break through the clutter. Like there's all sorts of issues why somebody doesn't hear you. So I think... I think when it comes to money, I think it's a very delicate subject, and I think it's one that people don't like to talk about. They seem to be unwilling to expose that area of their lives to somebody else, even if they're in dire straits. And I was reading some research that your fine people sent over to me saying that people in dire straits will wait five years before reaching out for help. And that I think that's so indicative of how difficult that conversation is. So in order to, be, in order to reach somebody, you have to be meaningful. It can't be trite. It can't be silly. It can't be dry. It can't be just straight information. It has to be meaningful. So part of that, as I'll go back, I'll just come back full circle, is there has to be some emotion attached to it. There has to be a connection between a financial advisor, if you want to go there, or a chartered accountant, whoever it might be, and whoever their client is. Or if they're trying to help somebody, there has to be an emotional connection because otherwise there's no humanity there, and it's just and it's never going to take traction. It's, not, it's never going to click. There's also the issue of judgment that gets attached yeah. to financial decisions. Yeah. Um, That's the fear of, of exposing it because it's instant judgment. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's very, um, it's, it's a real challenge for all of us. And this is something that um, is a real, I think the big issue in financial literacy education right now, um, in Canada generally, um, and internationally as well, is even once people know what they should do, 
they don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, even even if they know, there's there's this gap between knowledge and, and actual and and, and action. Um, and you know, I know you're very familiar with um, um, the behavioral economists and the nudge yep. theory that that yep. has come out. I remember as a, as a marketer, because that's my own background as well, thinking we've kind of known this stuff for quite a long time. And the behavioral economics of it is is looking at it in an academic sense. What do you, what kind of things do you see, the kind of nudges that marketers use that might be relevant to people who are trying to resist some of the market, the, the nudges that marketers use? Well, the, the theory behind a nudge is to try and steer someone's decision in a positive way. In other words, that there's some little speed bump between them and them and making that decision that the nudge could kick out of the way. So if you've read that, that book called Nudge, which I did an episode on on my show because I thought it was so fascinating, they, they, they give a great example where the British government was giving massive subsidies to homeowners so they would insulate their attics because, you know, there's a lot of heat loss coming out of there. So if they insulated their attics, there would be less energy used, et cetera, et cetera. And they gave them big subsidies. In other words, they paid for, the government was willing to pay for most of the insulation. People didn't do it. And they couldn't figure out why. Like, why would you pass up an almost free opportunity to make your house more energy efficient? And by doing some research, they discovered that the obstacle, the impediment, was that in the, in the UK, people use their attics to store junk. And they just didn't want to have to get up there and take all the junk out of the attic. That was stopping them. So as a nudge, the government came, uh, created this, this little division, if you will, or a company that would actually empty your, your attic for you. And once that little nudge, and they made that almost free, once that little nudge was put in there, all sorts of people uh, insulated their attics. So in other words, they discovered what the obstacle was and then gave people a little nudge to clear the obstacle. So that's what great nudging is, is finding... You know, in a grocery store, another story in that uh, show was in grocery stores in the States, they wanted people to, to buy more healthy products. So they they split the uh, grocery cart with a divider and said, put all your fruit and vegetables on this side and put everything else on that side. And then when people got up to the cash, they were suddenly looking to see how little healthy food they had and how much unhealthy food they had, which they never realized until there was a divider. The divider was the nudge. And as a result of that nudge, grocery stores were doing a little bit more volume than they had before, but people were buying more healthy foods. In other words, they didn't sacrifice their profit margin to get people to buy more healthy foods, but the nudge was the divider, so people could see. So what is the nudge in the financial world? I don't know. That, that I can't pull out of the air without you know, spending a lot of time with somebody and doing a lot of research, but there's probably, depending on what the issue is, there's probably a nudge you could put in place to get people over that fence over that speed bump that would help them make the right decision. And the great thing about a nudge is you're not, for, you're not forcing somebody. You're just right. trying to eliminate an obstacle, and they still have free choice whether to do it or not. It's not some kind of hocus-pocus. It's just a nudge to get them to make a positive decision. The other nice thing about them, of course, is that they're so eminently testable. Totally so you can, you can do it, and you can see. Does it make a difference if it works? This group has a nudge. This exactly. group doesn't, and see what the results are, yeah. You talk about persuasion as an art. Yeah. What do you mean by that? It ain't a science. I, I mean, someone said, and it's kind of funny, that clients go down on their knees every night and pray to God that it's a science, and it just isn't. Because at the end of the – in marketing, I'm talking about marketing now. At the end of the day, it still takes creativity. 
as I said, to express this strategy. You know, what, like, in other words, a great ad has a great strategy and a great creative idea attached to it, and that creative idea is art. It's, 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 you know, there, there's two kinds of art in the world. There's pure art where artists and musicians, and then there's applied arts, mm-hmm. and marketing is applied arts. So it's, it's what I was. I was a creative guy my whole career. My whole job was to come up with creative ideas to help sell different products. So that's the art of it. You have strategy, which is testable, which is business-driven, which is uh, measurable, and then you have creativity, which is absolutely not. Like you can go into a focus group and you can test a strategy. It's very hard to go into a focus group and test a piece of creative. Mm-hmm. Because a piece of creative has to go out into the marketplace and it has to be out there for about six weeks before it really takes hold. To ask people to judge it in, the, in two hours in a, in a focus group room is a little artificial because it's, there's an X factor there, right? It's like a movie. You have a hit movie, then you, ha- then you do a sequel with the same cast, same writer, same director, same stars, and it fails. Why is that? Because there's an X factor. There's an, there's an art thing that you can't, it's like a bar of soap. You can't get your hands around it. It's too slippery. And that's why persuasion, at the end of the day, is an art. So our challenge is the development of, of financial educators, educators, in, in, is, is to try to apply, find, reveal, apply creativity to, to the challenge of, of bringing information to people I and helping so. them make. Because you know what? If, if, if there's emotion attached to it, if you, for example, employ storytelling to help make points – Etc. I think storytelling helps people, makes people care, or it can eliminate fear, or it can uh, knock down an obstacle, or it can at least. I could, if I told you a story, maybe you and I could connect in that moment that you would be willing to hear more from me, or you'd be willing to sit with me for another half an hour instead of just getting up and leaving. Like there's, it's about a human connection when you're talking about a very difficult subject. So I'm a big fan of storytelling as, as, as a way to do that. Interesting that you should mention that because the question that I'm asking everybody that I am going to be you know, talking to through the, the series of the podcast is about a story um, and asking them to tell me a story about a financial mistake that you've made and what you have learned from it. It's one of the things that we tell our teachers to do, our our CPAs when they go out and they they provide financial literary education. Tell your own stories because they mean something to people. Tell me a story. Well, so I went to uh, university to study television and film. I knew I wanted to be somewhere in the broadcast world. I didn't know where. Every Wednesday morning, somebody from the industry would come in and give us a lecture. on what. It, so they might be documentary filmmakers, might be news writers, might be uh, television producers. And one day, the ad people came in and talked about advertising and strategies and writing scripts and being in recording studios and, and uh, filming commercials on location and actors. And, and I, I sat at the back of the room and I saw my future. It just suited me right down to the ground. There were no advertising courses to be had, but that talk changed really the course of my life. So when I got out of Ryerson, I applied to 60 advertising agencies across the country to be a copywriter, to be an ad writer. And I got 61 rejection letters, which is so funny. One place rejected me twice. I was going to say, yeah. no, where happened? Where did I know. The they didn't want me so much, them. they sent two letters. But anyway, funny thing is that I've ended up making my 
And then here's the other beat to that story. So I can't get a job in an advertising agency, which is what I really want. So on a lark, I, I put my resume in at a small radio station. They hire me. It's not where I want to be. I don't want to be in radio. I want to be in an advertising ag agency, but not in just purely radio. Don't I fall in love with the medium? Doesn't it change the whole direction of my life? Interesting. So tell me about a financial mistake that you've made and what you learned from that. I've been pretty lucky in that department, I have to say. Uh, I don't have a big disaster story in, in finances, I don't think. I mean, we've my company has invested in other companies. Some were good, some were not. I'd say probably the lesson in the ones that didn't work was we didn't do enough due diligence. You know, it looked great from the outside. It fit conceptually. It was what we needed, but we didn't do enough diligence on the, on the principles. I was thinking of something much more modest, like those gym memberships that, you know, you have for two oh, years that, and you okay. never bother yeah, to yeah, cancel. You know, I've discovered that, you know, paying for it every month, that really doesn't work. You actually have to go. It's like one of those weird things. I know. I know. I'm going to do an episode of my show that's going to have a little a gym membership aspect to it. It's uh, I want to do a show on how my industry sells distress purchases. In other words, the things nobody wants in life that you have to get, like tires and insurance and gym memberships, which nobody really wants a gym membership. And why? And, and as you said, nobody keeps going. Like it's, and then you keep paying. Anyway, so I'll be talking about that this coming season. That'll be great. That'll be great. That'll be fun because we all have things like that. Yeah. Right? Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with us um, before we call it a wrap? Well, my talk tomorrow is really me trying to share some insights that, that the marketing industry has discovered over the, over the years on how to make people care when they don't, when they don't really want to hear you, or that there's some obstacle, how marketing, smart marketing ideas, and I think the thinking can be translated to the financial industry, how great marketing ideas can overcome obstacles, can make people care, can uh, break through all the clutter, can sometimes get by shame, can sometimes get by indifference, that there is proven thinking on that, and that'll be really my topic tomorrow. Because okay. I, think, I think financial, as you said, as when we started our conversation today, I think people just don't want to talk about that subject. Well, we'll be very excited to hear what you have to say about that and ways we can help people. You know, we tend to offer our programs at the points where people, because they're voluntary, at points where people are in those learning moments. So the yeah. people who show up are really the people that, um, you know, they, they're going to have a baby or they're yeah. newcomers or they want to know something about tax or whatever. But if we can change that whole conversation and create safe spaces where people know where they can go to in get information when they need it, then hopefully that's going to Because the interesting thing to me is that financial discussions are usually at the pivot points of your life, right? Exactly. It's when you're buying your first home and having your first child or getting married and saving for your wedding and or buying a cottage. Or, I mean, it's just all of – or a divorce or someone loses their job. Like it's, it's always major pivot points that financial discussions have to be had, and those are the toughest ones to have. You have been listening to Mastering Money, the Educator's Edition, from Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. For more information and resources, visit our website at cpacanada.ca slash financial literacy. For more episodes, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, or Podbean. Podbean.